Well, hello. Looks like you've found your way into another episode of March Mad Men, and another matchup of slasher movies. In part three of this one, sorry, not available in 3D, Hellfest faces off with Freaky. And we're going to bookend this thing with themes by Bear McCready, who actually scored both movies, coincidentally enough. Hope you enjoy the show. That was a that was a weak open. I don't even think I got it off. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm having performance anxiety. I'm trying to open a a bottle of a Portuguese beer, which I got in like a a, a sampler of of uh, international beers, and this is um, it's called Quinus Quinus. Uh, Quinus, yeah. Quinoa. Yes. Quinoa. Yes. It's. Did you just call? Did you just call? Did you just call John Rich? I think that's not, re- that's not relevant. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. It happens to the I best you, of I us. You've set, set the stage for the for the last act of this podcast. <laughs> You're so lucky I, I haven't called you Kim. Water my bourbon barrel quad. <laughs> Anyway, it's a uh, premium lager from uh, Portugal, and I'm about like 30% Portuguese, so I thought it might be fun to tip the hat. Did you guys reload in, in any way? I know, um, yeah, Vic, you're, you need to be downshifting hard, buddy. Fuck you, John. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hear you. There you go. Rich, you, you're about to tell us about something, I hope. Yeah, I did. I'm about to tell you about Hellfest. Okay. Tell us about Hellfest, Rich. <laughs> From Lionsgate, who brought you Midnight Meat Train and My Bloody Valentine 3D, comes this 2018 slasher directed by Gregory Plotkin, featuring no less than six writers. That is impressive. It stars Amy Forsyth, Rain Edwards, Bex Taylor Kloss, who's uh, in the Scream series, and uh, and of course everybody's favorite, uh, Tony Todd, uh, a regular on the on the podcast. Uh, so for this film, it is All Hallows Eve, and three teenage girls link up with some expendable boys for Hellfest a sprawling theme park haunt. And in between haunts, they experience a bloody night of terror at the hands of a masked maniac who is not working for the park. Actually, I think one of the most interesting things about the development of this movie is that it was actually originally under discussion to be directed by Neil Marshall, the uh, director notable for his work on Dog Soldiers and The Descent, which I know that all three of us are a big fan of, in addition to some uh, other films, which I think are not as much worth remarking upon. And then when it fell out of his hands, it was going to go to Jennifer Lynch of Boxing Helena and the very underrated film Surveillance. Um, Of course, she's also notably the daughter of uh, David Lynch. But eventually it went to Plotkin, who is the director of Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, and he was an assistant editor and an editor working in sort of the various outer reaches of, of the genre film world, but he was notably you know, the editor on films such as Happy Death Day, uh, which is also in our competition and uh, yes. bears a connection to its competitor uh, in this round. 
Also, uh, Rich, didn't he edit um, podcast favorite Paranormal Activity 3? Did he do three? I know that he did many of the sequels. Um, his, well, I looked I, at I actually, it. I, uh, he, okay, mm-hmm. so he was. So what's mm-hmm. up? Good for him. So yeah, he's he's been around the, the block a bit, certainly in terms of the, the editorial game. And he's been trying to, trying to work up uh, ever since, from what I can tell. This movie was remarkably a success from what I can tell from a financial perspective. It, it grossed 18.1 on a budget of 5.5. I wasn't even aware that this thing got a theatrical release. Um, I actually it only came to my awareness because I saw it at, on a memorable group screening to go see Unfriended, The Dark Web. This thing preceded it as one of the trailers. And that's the only time I ever even heard of the film. I never even saw it really hit the theaters. But I guess someone went to go see it, and eventually I caught it later um, when it was when it was streaming, and I was essentially glad that I did. The reviews were pretty mixed. I, you know, the AV Club gave it a D plus, saying that even slasher junkies desperate for a fix will find themselves bored by Gregory Plotkin's lame second feature, and it delivers tedious, heavy breathing buildup associated with the genre, but skimps on scares. And the gore, gooey, good stuff. I am less inclined to agree with this review than I am with Bloody Disgusting, who gave the film a pretty positive review, stating that, like above all, above all else, Hellfest over delivers on its promises, not just to be a hardcore old school slasher film, but to take viewers inside a believable haunt. You know, this idea of like an old school slasher film is something that gets floated around a lot as you look at these sort of like nouveau slashers that aren't big on story or even necessarily character, but are just sort of like going through the, the basics of the, of the genre. And I think that this film, like, you know, I'd say that like not entirely unlike something like slumber party massacre is like adding like an, a, a layer of veneer, like on top of that, that old school where it's like, look, you could go two directions. Like the other movie that I think always gets referred to as like being old school horror is the one that self proclaims it hatchet, which does that by amping up the gore and amping up the prosthetics. And not that I even have a problem with that. I think that they do remarkable work in terms of that being their, their focus, whether that makes for a better movie or not is a different conversation. But, um, you know, this movie, I would say, like, I'm an enthusiastic fan of haunted theme parks. Um, certainly, you know, I used to be a regular at Universal's uh, Halloween Horror Nights. I've definitely been to a lot of yard haunts um, in my day. I have not been to many of the extreme haunt experiences. But, you know, I appreciate the the culture um, quite a bit. And I like the way that this film harnesses the energy of haunted houses to really carry you through what is kind of like a typically underbaked slasher plot. Um, you know, it's worth notice, noting that this thing has great production design. The park itself feels real and amazing. I know it was filmed at Six Flags in Georgia that I think also played prominently in, in Zombieland. But they do a great job of doing this uh, monster park design, um, you know, with goofy walkthroughs like deform school where you know they're just like walking through like maze after maze where there's a good mix of the kind of practical effects and jump scares that you'd find in any given haunted house they're like totally non-threatening 
you know, but they keep doing it in a way that makes it fun for you to be engaged and like pulled along with the characters. In terms of the characters themselves, like I don't really like their personalities or their stories or especially find them memorable, but I do like the relationship, especially amongst the the lead uh, female characters who like feel like we're kind of getting like an emotional arc that extends just beyond like who's dating who. Um, you know, there's kind of this like flirtatious love story between the the lead girl and the the uh, Gav and the boy that she's kind of pursuing that I think like kind of carries it along just on like a endearing level. But, you know, this film lives and dies literally on the idea that like a horror theme park is at the, is the place where it's like the perfect view to a kill because people are like literally crying wolf by design. And there are these hazy moments of like what's real and, and, and what's not. And like, that's the thing that this thing is really thriving on. And anyone who's seen a haunted house or like hell, even like a decent bar and like the cold fluorescent light of closing time can tell you that like, it's not the space that matters. Like it's how you experience it. And the way that these like characters like experience it, especially as they're like kind of like upping the ante as they move from scarier to scarier zones, eventually like getting to like the Deadlands, which is supposed to be like the scariest maze of the park. Like at least gives you like a progression to watch these gut, these characters having fun all while they're like juggling like a slasher subplot. Um, the kills themselves like are, you know, for a slasher, like a little light, I would say there's a couple good ones and um, they incorporate the machinery of the, the theme park. Um, the, you know, there's the test your strength machine, which leads to a, a pretty like entertaining mallet kill. And I, I love the bit where the, I, I don't have the character's name in front of me, but I know the the actor is uh, is is Bex is in the guillotine for a faux beheading uh, on behalf of the, the theme park, and the killer like kind of takes over and tries to actually behead her, only to find out that like dies dealing with like a prop blade, which is something that uh, Toby Hooper's The Funhouse could could take a, a a note from. But like nonetheless, is determined to make sure that this dull blade actually like severs her head so yeah it's definitely gore light in a way that you know could have been amped up a little more and it's just like a bummer that that it plays that way um, i won't give anything away but i did love the ending it has touches of something like the strangers with, with like a little more personality where you're allowed to kind of rewrite the perspective of the slashing that you just watched unfold and i will say that clocks in at just under a 90 just under 90 minutes so not a minute too long and it's um, kind of an endearing love letter to horror fandom, even the normie kind. This quote-unquote old-school slasher takes a fun premise and delivers something not unlike the churro that you eat while waiting in line for the terror tram. It's fun, flavorful, and festive, but ultimately not really a replacement for an actual meal. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did that intro, Rich, because uh, I think you covered it in a lot more depth than my one viewing and some research could provide. I think that uh, Vic is a good choice to be the, the closer on this one. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give my piece here quickly, but it's the uh, four seed in our meta conference. And I, I think that I was wondering like, why did we put it in meta? And you reminded me, of course it's meta. It's about people going to be scared in a, in a, you know, even though Funhouse, you could say, is similar, but this is all about like the pleasure of of being terrified, which is inherently 
meta and one of what if one of those people actually you know that are jumping out at you with the masks and the fake knives wants to kill you i think that's inherently meta so it kind of reminded me of where it fits into the the puzzle and it's it's going to be going up against freaky which is the 13 seed so uh on paper uh i think it 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 should win We'll get into Freaky later when uh, Vic tells us about it. But I I wanted to note that I was impressed with this movie when I watched it. Props to Rich for putting it on my radar. I, I don't think it redefines the slasher genre or anything. But uh, And also, at the same time, I'm not sure how much I would get out of a deep analysis of the film. But I do think it has some upside, as they say when evaluating sports prospects. Unlike old school slashers like The Prowler or Madman, just for a couple of examples, even though we like Madman here on this podcast, the movie has some layers of complexity and scenes that, if you study them in greater detail, I think they could yield some interesting insights. And you alluded to it. I'm, I don't want to give anything away either. I like the ending quite a bit. But tonight, like before we went on the air, I was pretty surprised to see a broad and deep lack of enthusiasm for this movie online. Uh, looking at the Rotten Tomato excerpt blurbs, the dialogue gets a drubbing, which I don't recall being particularly weak in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm grading on a curve to a degree with this Given the quality of cinema I was plowing through looking for slasher movie <laughs> candidates <laughs> for this tournament. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth noting. It's worth noting. But, I mean, I do believe at worst this is workmanlike filmmaking at a professional level with more than enough tension to keep me engaged the whole way. You know, as just the baseline, this is not a bad movie in my view. So I was, I was really kind of surprised to see the level of not disrespect, but on an, on an lack of enthusiasm, uh, that I found, I thought it would have fared better in the IMDB ratings and, and Rotten Tomatoes ratings and so on. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if a couple people said it was a gem and, uh, that, that, that's not the case, but, uh, again, I've seen it once, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's just not that good, but I was pretty impressed. So I would be interested in seeing it again. That's all I really have to say. Uh, Vic, you probably have stronger opinions about it. Uh, let us know. I like this movie. I want to point out, number one, John, I'm, I'm just kind of shocked to hear the, uh, what you said about the dialogue. That was one of the things that I liked. Right. There's something very naturalistic about the, the dialogue between the characters. And I actually found it quite funny in a very low-key, uh, again, very naturalistic sort of way. I do want to point out this movie was produced by Gail Ann Hurd, mm-hmm. who I was lucky enough to sell a project to uh, at some point. And, like... Look, kids, if you don't know who Gail Ann Hurd is, like, look her up because she is one of the few producers who has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's because she produced stuff like The Terminator and Aliens uh, and Tremors and uh, just a whole host of things. She currently produces The Walking Dead, for fuck's sake. She's one of the great producers that Hollywood has. 
who most people don't know her name. And as soon as I saw her Valhalla Productions uh, banner come up on this movie, I sat up and took note because she does not fuck around. Trust me. Here, here. So that for me is just kind of a stamp of quality. So I, to me, a lot of the standouts for this, this stands in utter juxtaposition from the Funhouse, where I feel like they really got much more use out of the setting than the Funhouse did. And that novelty really is the idea that characters are being killed in front of people while they think it's part of the gag. And that gives it just a spin. It's not much, but it gives it a spin. It gives it something sort of original. But it also, and Rich really touched on this too, because I also love haunted houses and I love that experience. This movie really touches that. It really gets gets into the vein of that. And most especially with the Taylor character, I really appreciated uh, her giddiness and like her joy at getting to express her love of horror. Uh, I really related to her character, and it's I, it's strange to me that these movies, and it's the same thing with Funhouse, they always make the person that is least interested in horror the final girl, yeah. when the audience is so much more likely to relate to and identify with the character of someone like Taylor. I also noted The Strangers as a, as a touchstone on the ending, because I really did think that was a, a nice touch as well. This is a This is a good movie. It's not, it's not great, it's not earth-shattering, but as someone who has been to these places and experienced them, it feels pretty real, and it, and it, it brings something to the table by using that as a setting and using it well. God, I half expected after looking at like this movie's place in the Pantheon that you both would be like, I don't know why you like this movie so much, John. So I'm kind of, even though, yeah, Rich, you, you nominated it, but I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you both liked it. I mean, I, I I agree with like your sort of like late assessment there, John. That like there is a workmanlike quality to this movie. Like I I don't think that it is exceptional. I think maybe if you encountered it in the in the wild, like not like assessing it against other slasher movies, like <laughs> I don't know how much of an impact yeah. it would it would really make. But I. I think especially in terms of like modern, like I'm, I'm always, especially in this genre, I'm especially interested in the modern entries that are in any way like worth like talking about a, because it's just like not a popular genre anymore. And, and B it's like, what more is there is, is there to do with it? Like, how are you like evolving this, this form um, in any way? So like, I appreciate how this, this movie is like, this is not usually like something I would praise a movie for, but like it's not taking any big swings. It's doing like the old thing and it's doing it well. And it's not being really showy about the way that it's making it different. It's just like doing it and it's having fun. And like, I, you know, I liked it. I had fun with it, but also not in like to, you know, the, the sort of meta breeziness that we often see in the meta category where it's like we're self-consciously parodying this no this movie has like a groundedness and authenticity that works to its benefit and that it it is taking it seriously and i think that that makes it scarier and more tense and i think that's very much one of the things i like about the movie is that i i couldn't just kind of you know view it ironically or something you know self-referentially i was like oh shit you know these kids are in trouble and i think that worked 
Speaking of breeziness, should we talk about the uh, the, the competitor in Brandon's Freaky? I mean, yeah. do we have to? I think that's that, that's certainly John. That was a that was a perfect transition in what you said. <laughs> so, uh, Freaky is a Hellfest competition here, direct, uh, from 2020, directed by, as mentioned, Christopher Landon, our good friend. Yes, uh, has an 83 percent more than Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> although, because of the pandemic, no box office numbers are actually relevant. The logline is, and, and it, it, like Christopher Landon movies, like this is just hard to argue with. It's Freaky Friday meets Friday the 13th, when the Blissfield Butcher uses a ceremonial Aztec dagger to murder nerdy high schooler Millie Kessler, causing them to switch bodies. So this is, as noted, Landon's second appearance in the competition after Happy Death Day. And it's really sort of remarkable how similar these films are in terms of, of tone and style. It's not a knock. The teen comedy horror slasher mashup is really tough to pull off, and Landon's done it repeatedly. So the story goes exactly where you think it's going to, with the body swap allowing Millie to uh, learn to repair broken relationships with her widowed mom and her police officer sister. The butcher gets the chance to dice up some mean girls and douchey guys and also Alan Rock. All the performances, I think, are really good. Catherine Newton pulls off the early unpopular girl parts as well as she could for somebody who's obviously charismatic and gorgeous and convincing once she's inhabiting, uh, inhabited by the butcher and she gets the she's all that style sexed up makeover. I especially loved Misha Osherovich and Celeste O'Connor as Millie's best friends. Those are roles that could have made for easy stereotypes, but I think they wind up being very funny and very distinct. Mm-hmm. But for me, this is really Vince Vaughn's show. Now, he can be a frustrating actor, and I'm not just talking about his politics, in that he seems to think that he's the next Marlon Brando. He's always trying to take on these very self-serious acting roles. But his gift is so clearly for dialogue-driven comedy that I want to scream at him every time he pops up in, like, True Detective or Hacksaw Ridge or, God forbid, Return to Paradise. What are you doing man like watching him in this is like watching Val Kilmer and kiss kiss bang bang where you just think this is what you should be doing he's great in this he's believably menacing in the early scenes but he's hysterical he's completely uninhibited once he's taken over by Millie the highlight for me is this scene when he's stuck in the back of the car with Millie's love interest is this kid named Booker and they actually wind up kissing it's, it's, it's just fantastic, right? But that being a highlight for me is saying something. The kills are violent, they're well executed, but even less than Happy Death Day, this isn't a movie that ever feels scary. It's the humor that stands out. And the contrivances of the body swap movie, they get no updating. You may as well be watching Vice Versa or Like Father, Like Son. Those are deep cuts for the body swap genre. Check them out. <laughs> Those are deep cuts. Yeah. This is, uh, to me, this is a solid double that doesn't aim for anything more. It's a good time at the movies for a couple where one of them likes horror and one of them likes rom-coms and there's enough to satisfy both and nothing to offend either, which is an impressive achievement. But I'm not sure how far it's going to carry it in a tournament like this. Rich, um, I, I can't wait to hear your heartfelt, uncensored thoughts about Freaky. 
I was honestly just gonna like let you go, John. <laughs> I feel like I, I I'll I'll put it this way. Look, guys, we watch a lot of movies here. Um, I watched this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'd say that actually this was this was a good mark of like a film where it's like I was pulled in, along enough with it that like I had almost no notes at the end of it because I was just like, I'm just going to like sit back and like enjoy this. And like, I'll worry about notes later. Now that said, I never really got around to like writing much of, of the notes. So like, I'm more <laughs> than happy to riff on this film, but also like the next day, John was like already like, pr- like winding up his like screed against this movie mm-hmm. uh, over our, our text chain. So I thought, Oh great. I don't need to write notes. John's going to take the reins. You know, Fair. I will say, I liked this movie. I didn't like it as much as Happy Death Day. I wanted to like this movie a little more than I did. And I would trace, like, the... Despite the thing I enjoyed about it, I would trace the central problem that I have with it in terms of this competition to be that it is far more interested with Vince Vaughn playing a teenage girl than it is a teenage girl playing a monstrous killer. Mm-hmm. And that would be the kiss of death in terms of it in this competition. That said, it has a lot of good qualities, but I'd rather have John uh, go for it. Honestly, Rich, I'm kind of embarrassed because that was a better point. Like you cut to the heart of it in a way that I didn't even. And but you're 100% right. Like that that should be the kiss of death. So, uh, thank you and, and fuck you because you, you you beat me to it. <laughs> Damn it! Why didn't I see that? But yeah, that's it. That's it. So I'm going to use more words, but um, refer to what Rich just said. So after what is on every level a very promising open to this film, it all seems like jokey suspense. There's no stakes or real tension it's it's all like it's played for farce there's plenty of conflict but it's all slapstick comedy style it's not real we never get much of a handle on what the killer wants to do he or she because yeah he spends most of his time in the girl's body and even when he's in vince vaughn's body he's just kind of mean mugging his way through the movie while everyone else frantically strategizes. A lot of dialogue lands with a thud in this area. It just It's not the best way to explore this premise. They take a sappy, silly approach that, for me, it just got weaker and weaker as it went along. And by the end, the movie had completely lost me. I do want to note that the, the open is awesome and it there's brief nods to slasher movies that made me think we were really gonna deconstruct the genre in a cool meta way there's slasher tropes galore we have a reference to friday the 13th and like the wednesday the 11th titles and they they get to the 13th and we have teens around a fire pit which i think we we definitely need to keep referencing the idea of people gathering around the fire to share lore about whatever mythical killer. Um, I mean, I think that is by far, it's got, it's got sheets being pulled off of a young woman completely defeated in haunted house movies. This is the dominant trope of slasher films are people gathering around a campfire to hear about whatever butcher that they're dealing with. In this case, it's the bliss bliss field 
Butcher. He haunts a holiday as well in this movie, uh, Homecoming, uh, which I, I did find somewhat amusing. And he appears to target those risking the dangers of underage debauchery. So we're checking a lot of boxes here. But the kills go off a cliff. The first kill is strong. It's definitely stronger than anything in Final Girls, which personally, somehow I keep comparing these two movies, even more than Happy Death Day for some reason. There's a, a clever flourish at the end of the of the first kill that ups the gore quotient considerably when i'm watching this movie first second time it feels like a slasher and then the second kill works too and they just go completely downhill like a ski slope from there it's like they they you guys alluded to it yeah we get away from it and it's all about like vince vaughn having a girl in his body that's the last two-thirds of, of the film. Let's talk about the meta bona fides here. Uh, as with Final Girls and Happy Death Day, there's a supernatural component. Uh, we had Groundhog Day and whatever Final Girls is. I guess it's a modified Groundhog Day, except you're stuck in a produced motion picture instead of like just one 24-hour period. And then Freaky has to deliver the Freaky Friday premise of body swapping. And I, I do think that this Freaky Friday falling on Friday the 13th is very clever. It's at that level of like, I wish I'd thought of that high concept. So no problem there. Okay, let's talk about the slasher himself. I was, I was going to say, I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to the, the, the body swap... Uh really reminded me of the uh of brad dorif in a uh, child's play mm. like this was this this there's the, the the just something about the the magical dagger and like the the mysticism of it and everything uh, oh like shit in the... The, the, the the voodoo the voodoo of the of the i'm gonna transfer my body into this doll's body yeah like the 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 storm clouds that are associated uh, with yes. it yeah absolutely that's a great point it 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 has that it has that vibe uh i guess without the uh voodoo but uh yeah putting the mythology aside the the killer what's his mythology right like he he i guess he just takes a mask from wherever he goes to kill people he picks one up in the open certainly doesn't seem part of a cohesive look or anything if you're judging him as a slasher uh i don't love it I think Vince Vaughn has played some scary fucking dudes in his day. This is not one of them. I did kind of appreciate he does a few nods to Jason and Michael in his body language. Yeah, we get a head tilt. I just, I personally couldn't get past the fact that it's Vince Vaughn. Not to say that I don't enjoy other aspects of the performance, but as a slasher killer, uh uh-uh. Back to the idea of peaking in your opening sequence. I thought there were some really good lines well delivered in the open. It's a vagina, not an all night drive through is a great fucking line. <laughs> okay. The protagonist in our arc, Millie's character arc is very different from trees in happy death day in the Christopher Landon Canon, even though they both suffer from dead parent syndrome. I think this character is, yeah, you understand what's happening. Well, she's too nice. She's too thoughtful. She's not living her own life. She's going to go see Wicked with her mom instead of hitting the homecoming dance. Everything about this character 
And her body language, the music, her expressions, it's all small, mousy, fearful, shy. I, I think really like bluntly and overtly so. Millie is the perfect name for this kind of character. I mean, this is just like, yeah, really broad screenwriting. The scene where she comes to shop class late and is treated by Cameron from Ferris Bueller also does great work in succession. Um, it, he's, she's the worst student in the class. It just all feels really forced. <sighs> all right. So let me try to wrap it up. I have like a lot of notes because this movie drove me <laughs> nuts. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like here's just an example of like stuff that I hate. We have an escaped mental patient who just killed four teenagers. He can run through the public square of this town in broad daylight, even being identified by a woman there, then waltz right into a high school. We don't have security at high schools, right, guys? No, not anymore. No, definitely not. And then he showers in the girls' locker room. Nobody follows him, videos him, calls 911, nothing. Also... I knew we were in a comedy when I saw that the girls' locker room had a cryo chamber with a dial that goes to insanely lethal levels like negative 300 Fahrenheit. I mean, look, you have to, you have to be a full-on horror comedy to, to sell that. And uh, it's just, it doesn't work. The movie's painfully corny for me. Also, if instead of Vince Vaughn, in terms of historical terms, like who are we having play this character who's a woman for more than half the movie? If it had been Charles Bronson, that would have worked. Even John Senior or The Rock or anyone I can immediately think of, they break type all the time. It wouldn't have worked. Uh, Schwarzenegger began playing against his image at a certain point. Stallone did it. So Vince Vaughn, playing a, a, a teenage girl on a large man's body, I, I don't, for me, it didn't have the comedic impact that they think it does. In this day and age, is it that funny for Vince Vaughn to talk in a high voice and be what we would call effeminate? Nah, it's fine. He's good. But to me, I didn't think the comedy was great. And I also want to point out, her character was not a chatty, nervous motor mouth but he is once he's playing her. So I, I get the stress adrenaline stuff, but I didn't even think it seemed like the same character. So that, that wasn't great. So I'm going to skip the rest of it just for the, the, the purpose of time, but I could go on and on. I really kind of dislike the fuck out of this movie. So sorry. All right. Vic, sort me out. No, you're good, John. Uh, I'm going to vote for Hellfest. <laughs> awesome <laughs> rich okay maybe maybe you're more of a champion champion freaky for us um i'm not gonna do that i'll, I'll just i'll just say it and if it, i i still think that vic i still land more on this movie i think aligned with where you are with it i did not approach it with the disdain that john did I actually enjoyed Vince Vaughn's performance. Um, I thought he was funny. I, I I thought that the film was had a lot to recommend to people. You know, this is in 
you know, and she, I did watch this movie with my mother-in-law, by the way, and she really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, and that tells you what kind of what kind of movie we're we're dealing with. My wife really enjoyed it too, and like, and I, I and I liked the fact that I got to you know watch this film with them and still like take something away from it and still feel like I got to see like a horror movie to to some degree. And yeah, I thought Vince Vaughn was was funny. And I thought he did well with the with the role. I enjoyed the moments where they gave in, where like the the Millie Millie's body in, in you know with like with the with the butcher's mind inside of it was like threatening the the boys at the I don't know if they're they're at a bar or a pool hall. I can't remember where it is, but there there's a point where she sort of turns on like the the lascivious like frat boys who are who have been like surrounding her and like starts threatening to like kill him and like all of her friends and then is cornering them. So it's like, I just wish that it engaged with that side a little bit more. And I would have right. been more on board with the film, but you know, ultimately, like you said that this movie fits neatly into the Christopher Landon universe. And, you know, for our misgivings, but happy death day, like I feel like it upped the ante in terms of the gore a bit on happy death day. And, and for that, like mm-hmm. for the slasher genre, like that's cool. Um, the like that elements of his filmmaking were not, you, you know, like changing up the, the formula a little bit, but ultimately it just didn't have that same level of satisfaction um, and, and cohesion, like as much as it was just like kind of like a high concept um, ride and a fun one. I'd recommend this movie to people, um, just not super enthusiastically. Yeah, it's fair to say we went from zero gore in that movie, essentially, to some in this, if if that's what you're looking for. This is more of a more traditional slasher. I want to point out that I almost never criticize acting, I guess, you know. Um, but that Booker guy is terribly bad at points in this film. That's the crush that our, our lead has. I mean, I was embarrassed for him, and I'm yeah, I'm not normally too hard on on acting, but uh, there was some some bad moments there. And to Rich's point about like the horror aspect, this woman, this girl, is about to be brutally assaulted by these guys, and we're like so ready, even though she's a serial killer, because like you know this killer's in her body. We could have this get up and cheer turning the tables triple murder when she like they've picked on the wrong girl. Right. And I think what happens is really lame and forgettable. And it's especially shocking because after that savage opening sequence, you know, I felt like they could have given us a potentially great kill scene in act three. And I think we would have, you know, been been really cheering for it. But it's just kind of boring. So that's one of the things that really turned me off the movie. Last comments. I I think the movie has its moments, but it annoys me so much more that it comes out of the gate swinging and then it tries to be Mean Girls or something. I I, I put in my notes, I am at that level where I refuse to see this again no matter what happens. It it would just be a hate watch. So to, to move forward... I wanted everyone to know that I'm eager to watch Hellfest again and put it through the paces. Maybe it stands up to that scrutiny. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, thank you for voting. God bless America and good night. Hellfest, right? Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't cast my vote. I have, I have a crying baby in the back. I hear that. Uh, not good, considering 
Not that's, considering that it's midnight, not does not bode well for my evening. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but to hear in the that. midst of that, <laughs> in the midst of that, I will say that uh, I will also vote for Hellbest. All right, it's decided. I will give us a quick send off here. Thank you all for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please drop a review wherever you found us. That's it for now. But here's what's in store for you next time on March Mad Men. Hatchet versus Scream 2 and Halloween 2. This is the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Faces off with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Of course, the Toby Hooper TCM 2. The Strangers Pray at Night will go up against Jordan Peele's Us. That, as Vic has mentioned earlier tonight, this this could be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you are, too. Take care, everyone. Watch out for those creepy dudes hiding out there in your backyard with the laundry. Call Dr. Loomis. Stat. Adios. <laughs>